Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of Daffy's Roundtable. Today, we talk about turtles. My guest for today's episode is Dan the Turtle Man. Join us as we discuss different species of turtles, which species make good pets, and the best way to set up your pet turtle. We also take a deep dive into diamondback terrapins, their husbandry, and Dan's experiences with breeding. But before we get into that, allow me to give a shout out and thank you to Exoterra for sponsoring this podcast and making this episode possible. Exoterra makes quality products for our pet reptiles to make them feel at home. Okay, let's talk turtles. Everybody, please help me welcome Dan, the turtle man. Dan, hello. Hello. Dan, the turtle man. That's me, allegedly. Uh, I feel like you need like a theme song after that. Dude, my brothers tried saying that, and, then they <laughs> and I was like, "This is not working." This <laughs> you just need to find the right one. One day you'll find one that'll stick. I I got it. Something, some nice copyright free something, and just like put my own spin on it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah thank you for having that. me. By the way, uh, of course, I'm. I'm. It, we're we're uh, long overdue a turtle episode on the podcast, and you're. I think you're. I mean, you're the turtle man, right? So it's perfect. <laughs> Try. I don't know everything, but I know enough. That says, I mean, like, that's that's the beauty of the hobby, right? We're we're always learning, always growing. Nobody knows everything, but absolutely. Today, I think we're gonna learn a lot about turtles. I don't know a lot about turtles, although my first, technically, my first reptile was a red-eared slider when I was like really, really young, which I think for most people um, it is. But I haven't kept turtles since, so. Uh, we're gonna learn about turtles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a classic thing, you know. Everyone's like, "Oh, I had a radio slider or uh, whatever," and uh, I didn't really know how to take care of it. And that's what I try to be here for—to be like, "Hey, even when you were that young, whatever." Um, for that new generation of young people that have a radio slider that have no idea what they're doing, I try to be like, "Hey, you don't have to break the bank or whatever to take good care of your critter." Yeah, but also the little mm -hmm. island plastic thing is probably not the best. <laughs> Like, theoretically, the funny part is, I don't even like to say this because I don't like it taken the wrong way, but theoretically, you could rig that to actually work for all of, like, a month, but theoretically, it could work. Yes. But no. But no. <laughs> <laughs> but usually not. No. Okay. Awesome. All right. So, let's, before we get into all of that, mm -hmm. um, start at the top. How did you, uh, how did you get into reptiles? Or how did you get into turtles, reptiles, all of that? uh funny funny you say that same way that you did pretty much just a little yeah. radio slider um awesome. before that it was um it was fish it was aquatics i loved um i you know my beta fish the classic i did all my research that's what i spent my time doing before uh we had as much internet video game access i didn't really like video games all that much so i would just Me read neither. because i was a nerd um and, and i remember i don't know why this stuck but i read in a book uh, at the library, I wanted a new pet, and it said, if you're going to get a new pet, research as much as you possibly can. I don't know what part about that stuck, but I read about guppies and guppies and guppies and guppies, and I did as much research as I could on them. And then about three or four years after that, um, I successfully had like a whole breeding operation at like 12 years old, hit 13 or something like that. I was in South Carolina for a um, just for vacation. And I know I knew that I'd been wanting to get a turtle for a while then. And um, on the signs on those like stupid souvenir shops, it says like baby turtles. I was like, no way, they can't sell those. That's illegal. Even that young, I knew. Nope, they had them. They're just blatantly breaking the law. They didn't care. So I bought one for I think it was like four four dollars, something crazy like that. And most people, the difference was most people when they would get that animal 
have no idea what they're getting into. Me, I said, this is going to be my baby forever. I'm going to build her the biggest pond when she gets big. Awesome. I was pre-prepared, but that's, and that was it. That was just game over. That was it. And mm-hmm. then turtles from then. Yeah. I just, it, um, my parents still laugh about it. Oh, I'll stop at five. I'll stop at seven. I'll stop at 10. Now I'm like 42. Let's keep going. Why not? 50, we're coming. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's actually, you caught me at a weird time because I'm going way back down. But Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Later. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it, it's funny because I also started with a fish hobby and I also went guppy crazy and I also had all of these things I don't like it. So I, I get you, I get you hundred percent, hundred percent, but uh, yes. Awesome. Okay. So what, what, um, I know you're thing, but what species are you currently keeping or planning to keep? I guess. Diamondback terrapins, my ish. It's such yeah. it's problematic because people say, especially for my videos, they're like you're a niche within a niche. I'm like, I know it's not my fault, but they're just my number one. And I get a lot of questions that are like, well, why do you only keep diamondback terrapins? I'm just like, if I'm limited on space, don't you think I'm only going to keep what I really want to keep? Um, and so that's what I that's what I did. And I sort of expanded a little bit, got a little weird with some other species, but um, that's they're my number one, just now and forever. That's the primary like. I know a lot about those suckers. Like I know a good amount about map turtles. I'm not great with subspecies identification on those like tortoises. I got a good working knowledge of those and whatnot. But like when it comes to the terrapins, I'll run laps. Like that's expert level, I would say. And I'm still learning. There's still stuff that I have no idea what I'm doing, but. Awesome. So we're going to get into some diamond back terrapin stuff then. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you want to know about stuff, I will walk you through it. It's pretty foolproof. I try to make it foolproof on my channel and stuff. Like you can't mess it up. Just just do the things, do them right. And do the research. Do the research. (laughs) Yeah. um, In one of my videos, I said, click off this video, go to six others that are not for me. Get different people's. Yes. Yes. I have this question phrase a little funny. Um, so I'm going to say it the way I have it phrased, but then like kind of face it. I, I have it phrased as why do you think that turtles don't make good pets? And the reason I have it phrased that way is because it's in the store I work at. It's kind of like a known thing. We say like, if you really want a turtle, do your research twice. And then, you know, that kind of thing. So do you think that they make good pets? And then why do you think that they don't? If, if you agree with, yeah, theoretically, they're terrible pets. Awesome. Just based off the pure facts, if you're a freaking weirdo like you're me and you just happen to like them for whatever stupid reason or whatever other like a reptile, um, they, they, there are other options that are way better than turtles because turtles, I think that it's kind of funny how, how they're a step up from fish because they really are a step up from fish, but they are in the same way that you can't really interact with them. Sure, you can feed them, but that's about it. And most species just recognize you as the food source, and that's kind of it. Um, I'm starting to dive into a little bit of recognizing my face and this and that, but just for purely uh, from a statistical standpoint, you know, they're not cuddly. You don't want to remove them from the tank. I see people taking them from walks or this or that. They don't like that. If you want to treat them, I, this is what I tell people. You want to treat them, you give them shrimp they yeah. have forever, or some type of fish. Um, they The cost is usually not in the animal itself. 
it's in the environment, the setup and the future costs, which a lot of people can't get past. They say, well, if I spend all the money now and set up my whatever dark frog terrarium, because that's what I'm looking into right now. Um, nice. I'm pretty much set. Just, just fruit fly, fruit fly, fruit flies. And, and that's it. Yeah. Um, for turtles, it's the complete opposite. You can get away with the bare minimum, a heater. I don't even do a heat bulb um, or UVB when, when they're babies until they hit three or four inches, um, which is new information, but it's been working. Uh, and and then when they get bigger, you is I tell people in three or four inches, you can go balls to the wall, but people want to keep them in a little tank forever. forever yeah. A lot of people that say, um, you know, that they want, oh, I wish they stayed small. Uh, there are not many species. There's not many species that stay small. There's not a lot of upfront cost. The cost usually comes later. They have a lot of space. They're messy eaters. If you are not on top of your water changes and your filter cleanings, that water's going to get icky nasty and it's going to smell. Yep. Um, you know, but then if you do it right, you know, I have how many setups in my room? No smell, no issue, no nothing. Yeah. Um, but for the basic reasons, no cuddling, you know, the, the costs, you need that UVB, they need it. It will have MBD all day, every day. If you don't, once they hit that four inches, um, there's it, just, multi, it's multifaceted why they make bad pets, quote unquote. Yeah. But you still recommend them if the person really wants them. If you're in it, <laughs> you're in it, go for it. You can yeah. do it right. That's the whole point of the channel is, is I try to be like, if you're going to do it, do it right. And you right. can do it right. Um, where, where, like, uh, you know, I try to tell people, well, where do you live? Oh, I'm in Tennessee. You can keep your radar slider outside all year. Why? Yeah. But it gets cold. Let it hibernate. Uh, take yeah. a 110 gallon stock tank, and that's my, that's always my go-to. Like, go to Tractor Supply. It's 70 bucks. Get yourself 110. They're like, but then I can't look at it. I'm like, do you know how heavy and um, fragile? Uh, an aquarium is and then you have to keep it inside and you can't take it outside i'm like i love these stock tanks you can predator proof it your turtle will love you they're gonna oh, seeing them sunning for the first time in the natural sunlight like nothing beats that um so if you're if you're wanting to go for it you can go for it and you can do it right um it's not you know it's just not for everyone uh and like you said you know what did you say? Something do it twice. Like, like yeah, twice. do your research twice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I decided that I want to get into dart frogs at some point, And I said, yeah. I want them really badly right now. I'm going to wait two months. Then we're going to see. Yeah. Do you do, yeah, see what you months. think about them. Yeah. Exactly. I will say you were still going to want them in two months and then you're mm -hmm. going to get them and you're going to want more species. And then yeah, I wanted them four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. I, I, like I didn't think I'd enjoy keeping them as much as I did before I got them. I'll put it that way. Really? Yeah, it's yeah. they're a lot of fun. And watching them and they're super like or the species I keep at least are super bold, so they're always out and always right there. Um, but yeah. We'll we'll, we'll 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 have to chat about dart frogs. But um, on the turtle thing, it's interesting that you said around four inches. Do you think it's maybe because before then, um, like naturally they'd be hiding in like okay. Yeah. Bingo. yeah. So yeah under four inches naturally that's when they're going to be for my species that i keep diamondback terrapins they're going to be in that tidal rack they're going to be in that seagrass whatever they hide we're finding out and this is why i also don't do a basking spot is because we find we're finding that um 
they hide. And even if they bask, you know, maybe there's just some light sunlight filtering through the plants. This goes for spotted turtles. This goes for some other species as well, but in particular the terrapins. Um, that humidity, two inches above the sea level, is 100%. And so when you give them a basking spot in captivity in an air-conditioned house that is, you know, well away from the water level and with a heat lamp that's baking that spot, their shells can dry out. And then it actually leads to like kind of like pyramiding which I thought was a tortoise only thing and it's not. Um, but when they're under four inches, they're gonna be hiding. They're gonna be in a super high humidity environment, super high humidity. Um, and they're gonna be way more elusive. They're gonna be way more um, discreet and just hiding their job when they're babies. This is what I tell people. Don't be mad if your baby's not gonna come over and bag and this and that or dive in the water when they're basking um, because their job is to hide and eat. And yeah, grow. That's, it. that's their job mm -hmm. um and so when they're below four inches for whatever reason that uvb is not um if you want to you can throw on a, a uvb light but as far as an actual heat lamp sometimes i'll give one um and they'll and they'll climb on their plants but i don't give them like a platform to fully get up and out of the water okay cool but you are so are like I guess it differs yeah. for different species as well but for the diamondback terrapins you are keeping them aquatic at the lower than like yeah so under four inches so it's we're finding out that it works for painted turtles map turtles box turtles with box turtles you do the same thing but you just keep it uh way more shallow to avoid drowning and so that way they're not like full-on swimming but for any bait aquatic species of baby turtle i don't do basking until they're four inches maybe i'll do uvb or just a heat spot um one of my friends just messaged me he said well how do you decide who gets uvb and who gets like actual heat and i said whichever spot on the rack they're at and whichever lamp happens to be there uh, yes. there's no rhyme or reason but i am just playing with it but theoretically you, you don't actually need anything it sometimes makes me feel better just throw on a uvb bulb or throw in a, a heat lamp for ones that want to bask more um but they don't necessarily need it until they're that three or four inches neither heat nor um uvb they need heated water so they need to stay warm okay that's how they get their heat is from heating the water but not necessarily an external source until they're four inches three inches three or four inches i do three because i'm paranoid but <laughs> okay okay so let's take it past the four four inch mark okay yeah if, if somebody was going to set up a setup how would you like recommend somebody does that so i'll walk you through my how i do it baby doodle that would uh, be awesome okay yeah, yeah and that's always where i get um not confused but it gets funky once you hit that intermediate range of like four inches yeah. um because it not it depends on the individual this is what i like to do yeah. i like concrete mixing tub from home depot you do the small one um it holds about 10 gallons of water i put in a heater i put in these fake plastic plants I put in a filter. I change the water 100% every week and literally that's it. And clean the filter once a week. That is it. And I feed them um, Zoomed hatchling formula. That's my, literally that. And like, you know, maybe some shrimp here or there, maybe some um, live bears, some guppies, some platies here or there. Um, but otherwise it's, that's it. It's mm -hmm. a pellet? It is a pellet, Zoomed hatchling yeah. formula. They cool. sent me a whole butt ton of it. And I was like, I've been plugging you guys since day one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like finally, <laughs> no idea. I have enough to drown myself. It's great. Um, <laughs> it's, it's my staple. It's what I use. It's the good stuff. And the babies love it. I've had some hatchlings that go directly onto, 
onto those pellets instead of normally you go frozen food after they hatch and then to pellets. Anyways, concrete mixing tub, fake plants, heated clean water, um, you know, you know, a little filter, a little heater. That's it. And just keep that going. And you're going to see, they're going to start ballooning up when they get to maybe yay big. Maybe you want to make, put them in something bigger. You go from the small concrete mixing tub to the big concrete mixing tub that holds 20 gallons. Same exact setup, um, except maybe you'll put a heat lamp on or a UVB and let them start surface basking a little bit. Um, but until then, you know, just a little bit of more swimming room. Uh, I have to upgrade some of mine because they're just starting to hit about that big. And that's when I like to give them some more space because they get bored. You want to give them stuff to do. And this is going to be all within a year, maybe two. Oh, but they grow fast. Oh, they grow quick. Yeah. Okay. It, with this method, yes. Um, also, water temperature, 83 degrees. 84 is like a little high. 85 is usually like I'm trying to induce a fever or something. Um, <laughs> 80 used to be the standard, but now we find 80 a little higher is a little better. So 82, 83. Okay. Just keep them going. Heated, clean water. Faint plants. Let them hide. Let them eat. Let them do their thing. Um, hit that three, four inch mark, about yay big, you're ready to go nuts. Um, my standard at that size, 75 gallons. So I move them, I have these incredible 75 gallon, um, like horse, like trough stock tanks. Uh, and they used to be on Amazon and they used to be available online, but now I can't really find them anywhere. So I'm glad that I have my two. And I'll take that and fill it about halfway. Again, just a bigger filter, a bigger heater, some more fake plants, but now I'm going to add some driftwood. Now I'm going to get fun with it. Now I'm going to put in some fish, maybe some little shrimp for them to chase. Now I'm going to stick on a heat lamp. Um, usually I do the all-in-one. So as UVA, UVB, you know, actual heat and whatnot. Um, mercury vapor bulb pretty much. And that's at that four inch mark. Um, so four to six inches is probably going to be year two. This is theoretical. You know, some of mine go slower, some of mine go quicker. Um, 75 gallons tank when they're about four inches or so. Once you get six inches, go nuts, go crazy, um, go stupid with it. You know, and and you can skip a step too. You know, if if you're having them in that small uh, concrete mixing tub and they hit four inches when they're in that, you can upgrade them real Jump to the quick. horse trough. Yeah, I've taken some rather than put them in a 75-gallon tub. I went straight to a 300. I just made sure there was plenty of um, driftwood and plants and things so they could climb to the surface and get a breath of air. And that's when I move them outside, let them get natural sunlight, and I give them a basking spot and everything like that. And they have had just nice, beautiful, smooth growth. So once that four inches is when I basically baby them, once they hit four inches – I treat them like do your thing. Yeah. 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 And then I put them in the 300 and then usually let them grow out for like another year. And then they go in the pond and then they're like pond animals and they get robust and strong. Big. Actually that's, that's an interesting thing to talk about. So um, I heard you say in one of your videos that uh, one of your females, you put she was raised outside rather than inside. And so she had a really uh, bulky head. So I don't know if we could, we could touch on that for a second. Huh? So um, the, the dream, the absolute dream, would be if I can raise a terrapin that has a megacephalic head. So terrapins, like map turtles, when when raised in uh, in the wild, they're eating hard-shelled animals, gastropods, mollusks, snails, okay. um, even even um, map turtles. These hard snails, except they're in freshwater drainages, and the terrapins are in brackish water. 
and they just forge on these things all day, every day. And that builds those mandibles, those jaws, the muscle goes to the head. Basically like that. And those muscles build and build. And because in the wild, they grow slower. So it takes them, you know, what you can accomplish in one year of growth in captivity is equivalent to about four, three or four in the wild. Wow. Three or four years, they're building those muscles and building those muscles. And so I've seen terrapins at, at, you know, four inches in the wild and their heads are just huge monsters. Um, and so it was pretty cool. Uh, and, and, and they just keep going. They keep going. Once they're adults about this big, especially certain subspecies, the ones in Louisiana, especially in, in Louisiana, actually, it's like, that's where you see the, their heads are just astronomically large, disproportionate to the point where it's insane. And their beaks, because they have, you know, their beaks are growing like crazy. They have crush plates in their mouths. Um, these are these hard plates that go like that to crush the actual um, food that they're that they're eating. And you'll see it's all grown, and they just they have their monstrosities. That's um, awesome. And so it's just cool that I've raised many a terrapin in captivity to adult. Yeah. And I put my babies out. They were only a year old, but they were four inches. So um, I tried to put them in my mini pond, but then they busted the net and they said, no, nah, we want to go in the big pond. So I said, fine. You want to be a big kids? Be big kids. Be big kids. <laughs> and in the pond, there is, I had self-cloning crayfish in there. There were snails in there that just naturally came in. There's just rocks and gravel and things for them to chew on. And this one, I'm like, she's kind of got a beefy head. And even one of my females that I put in at three years old, I have pictures of her when she was smaller. But all of a sudden, uh, the vet was like, is her head swollen? I was like, no, she's just, you can see the muscles kind of protruding from the side. And uh, it's not quite to the degree of them in the wild. But if I could get there at some point, that would be the coolest thing. That's actually one of the ways that you can tell a wild terrapin from a captive one. Their heads will just be gargantuan. Oh, that's, yeah. that's awesome. They yes. are very cool. Yeah. It's weird. I, so, yes, that, that's, it, it, it's weird, but it's also awesome. I, I saw the video and I think you compared it in the video. You showed, showed it and it's, it, you, you clearly see the difference. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, so that setup you were talking about earlier, um, you said you'd do that for, for more, most, um, most turtle species. So you don't yeah. give any of them a basking spot until like they're four or five months. You don't want them to come out and completely dry up or is there somehow a way for them to completely dry out in, in that, uh, setup? I don't do that. Um, so, I mean, they'll dry themselves out. Like, so if I go in right now, uh, some of my babies, they'll climb on like the heater or, okay. or the plants that are sticking out and just like use that way. And then you yeah. might think like, Oh, well that's unnatural, blah, blah, blah. And for me, it's like, well, it's worth it to make sure that their shells are nice and, and, and smooth. And so I don't give them anything to pull themselves out on. They might pull themselves up on, on land, but I don't give them anything to do so until they hit about three, three or four inches. And then I will give them that um, UVB and, and an actual real basking spot. Now, that being said, that female that I'm talking about, um, the one that had the bigger head yeah. um she i raised her well her mother um i raised her with a basking spot uh and she turned out fine i had my radar slider with a basking spot she turned out fine i had a northern diamondback terrapin this was way long ago um my first terrapin i ever had i raised with a basking spot and she turned out totally fine 
But as I keep thinking about it, well, what was different? What was different? I think the difference was that when I raised them in those setups, it was in setups with very tall walls. And I think that those walls kept the humidity in. Mm -hmm. So it was a 20 gallon tank filled halfway. And then I moved them to a 40 gallon tank filled halfway. And then um, another one I kept in a plastic um, tub, this way back on my channel, like four or five years, but you can see her. Um, I had a basking spot, but it's because they were in a tub, with super high walls. So I think that that kept the humidity in. Um, and different subspecies I find are more prone to that pyramiding, at least in terrapins. So the more southern subspecies, the ornates, the mangroves, they'll, they're more likely to get that pyramiding than others. But just to cover all my bases, I do it for everyone. Painted turtles, sliders, this, that. I know sliders are way less prone to it. Uh, painted turtles are way less prone to it. But I don't care. I'm going to cover my bases. And just, it's like you got to see that growth. It's perfectly smooth um, if you don't give them that basking spot. I still put on a lamp, though, just for day and night cycle. So some of them I have LED. Some of them I just have a hot spot. And others just a UVB spot. But just for night, day and night cycle. Yeah, just to keep the, the rhythm. 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, so, okay. So what about this pyramiding thing? So it's, it's, um, it's, it's clearly a bad thing. And um, so I've heard of it in tortoises. I think I heard like it, it was caused by diet or something, but yeah, I, I don't know much about it. So um, yeah. in tortoises, it's, it's caused in actually different ways, which is kind of cool. Um, I was at the turtle and tortoise preservation group um, conference in Arizona a year ago. They're actually having it in like, I think it's nine days away, something like that. And they went through the science of pyramiding, which was so cool. And this dude, he tried everything in tortoises to fix it everything but every single day he tried different diet he tried different enclosures this that the one thing that he found worked was humidity so he would keep them in an enclosed chamber his tortoises with like 90 percent humidity something crazy and every single one of them was just perfectly smooth um in tortoises i mean it depends on how severe the pyramiding is, but a little bit doesn't hurt. Same thing with the terrapins. I have some that had kind of bumpy shells, not a huge deal. Um, but of course, keeping things more natural is always better, more ideal. Um, you know, it's like, how do I put it? It might not be a problem now. It might not be a problem ever. But if it's like one little factor that when that animal's 20 years old, there's not feeling well or something, and there's something that's pulling a little weird way, just one extra little factor that gets them sick, something, I don't know, that's right. all improving. But just trying to keep it as natural as possible is basically the, um, the goal. And so that's one way to do it. So in the tortoises, they found it's humidity and within literally five years. Um, you look at information sheets from five years ago and everyone's using basking spots on all baby turtles and terrapins and whatnot. Now, no, not really, not really. No, it's just it, as far as health, I don't, I mean, there's been nothing proven. It's not like, Oh, pyramiding in terrapins or sliders or whatever is going to kill them. I mean, unless it's really bad, unless their shell is deformed, it's nothing crazy. Um, in the Diamondback Terrapins Facebook group, someone posted a comparison. I might have the picture saved somewhere. And it's where one is a little bumpy and the other is super smooth. And one was raised with no basking spot and the other was raised with a platform and a heat lamp. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. um, so in the wild, are they smoother? Glass. Wow. Glass. I have some pictures saved because I'm a freaking nerd. And when I see <laughs> pictures of something cool... Um, 
I see these pictures of these um, northern terrapins, like New Jersey and stuff, climbing in the sand dunes, and they're shedding their scoots. And in captivity, like we have them, it comes off like plastic. I call it nature's plastic that they, they, they pop off. The scoots are the individual parts of the shell. And that's after they hit about four or five inches. That's when they start shedding. And in the wild, it comes off like paper thin. And their shells are just literally just perfect. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, in the wild. They are. That's actually one of the ways that you can tell whether an animal is captive bred or wild caught. I can tell just by looking at the shell. Oh. How? It's literally, that's just because I'm um, psychotic, but it's <laughs> in the growth ring. Like the growth in wild ones is like just perfect, like too right. perfect, too smooth. Each individual growth ring is like perfectly spaced from one another. Um, I'd love to do it. I got to text some of my friends and say, hey, can you just put, uh, one of my buddies has a wild male. Can you just take him, put him, next to a captive bred one and just to see the difference. And you can see just the, the growth. It, it, it takes a trained eye, but um, there are differences. And I've seen animals posted and I can tell like that. They just have a look, you know, their, their skin is a little more tan because terrapins can get tan from the sun and turn darker. So if they're white and you put them in the sun, I had an animal that was pure white, put her in the sun, her skin turned purple, um, brought her inside, turned white. Their heads are a little bigger. They're just their shells are a little more perfect, and and it's just um, little things that 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 you can tell. Nothing will be more perfect than a wild animal. Awesome. Okay. Cool. So, moving on from setups and stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, what do you think is the most underrated species of turtle, and why? And it's okay to be biased and say diamondback terrapins if you want. <laughs> They're, they're hyped up enough. I mean, their personalities yeah. are unmatched. They, um, it's mainly personalities and the way they look. They're completely, like, absolutely beautiful. Um, underrated. I mean, you know what? I always vouch for spotted turtles. If you're in a place where they're legal to keep, I always say that actually spotted turtles are, like, my number one, uh, like, pick for a pet if, if it's legal to keep. Um, in some states like South Carolina, you need permits, North Carolina, you need permits. If you're anywhere that they're not native, um, you can keep them, you know, you should be totally fine, but they are beautiful, like beautiful. They're all black and they have these yellow spots on them. They stay small males, max that big could be kept in a 40 gallon tank its whole life. Um, females, not much bigger. Uh, the personalities on them, they are so sweet. You can do a planted tank. They'll love that, especially with babies. Get yourself a couple babies and put in all kinds of floating plants and guppies and do like a really naturalistic environment like that. It's pretty easy to replicate and they're fairly forgiving. The number one issue with them is just drowning hazards. They'll get themselves stuck on driftwood or whatnot, um, or they're not the best of swimmers. So you just keep an eye on that. Uh, make sure they have enough decorations to get to the surface, but they can't get pinned under. And they i i love them i love them they're readily available they're bred in captivity they're threatened in the wild so you just having them you know is for the day that they say all right time release some baby or something or the government comes out with some type of um uh, program Way to do it because people are breeding i'm talking thousands thousands there's there might be more in captivity than in the wild i mean there are at the daytona reptile show that it's legal to keep and breed in florida there's um one of my friends went and counted 
and just from the ones that he could see, 300 and something uh, wow. that were there. It's astronomical. So they're readily available. You're kind of participating in the little conservation by keeping them. They're adorable. Keep them in a 40-gallon tank, something like that. You could breed them in captivity real easily. Oh, they're cold-hardy. You can almost keep them where you are. They go oh, yeah. almost all the way up. I mean, they go real far north. Um, so I don't care if you're in Tennessee, if you're in California, if you're in Texas, the number one, if anything, you make sure that they don't get too warm during the summer. And by doing that, you just plant a bunch of stuff. They're just easy. They're so easy. And when you keep them with aquatic plants, my water changes like once a month. It was, yeah. oh, I love them. <laughs> I guess awesome. okay. underrated species. You're under, there you go. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, what about like. Is mm -hmm. there a, such a thing as like a space efficient species? I, I guess yes. they are, but like, is there something smaller than, or I don't know if there's a smallest species? Um, yeah. So people usually look for like the smallest species of turtle. The problem with that is that it's some type of wickedly endangered, critically endangered something, something. Um, but good options are mud and musk turtles. Like those guys don't get huge, a 75 gallon tank. Like, and again, they can be difficult. Um, they can have a hard time swimming. So giving them driftwood and platforms and like ramps, things they can crawl up to the surface on. Same thing with the spotted turtles is fairly important. Okay. Um, but they're more aquatic than like terrestrial. Yeah. Like terrapins will come onto land. Spotted turtles love to come onto land. Um, but those mud and musk turtles love to stay in the water. They don't bask all that much. Um, but they don't get huge even the there's some smaller species there's some larger species but at the largest they only get a pig or so wow. um, and they can be pretty friendly like you can train them to come over um you can keep fish with them usually again you can do some planted um like a planted setup and make it look really nice um my friend the turtle girl she has a whole bunch of blind um little musk turtles eastern musk turtles they got their eyes picked by some cichlids but they're like the mm -hmm. sweetest and they're little they're just cute little things <laughs> they'll get huge like 75 gallon tank and you're like good to go with those guys mud and musk turtles that's my um number number two besides spotted turtles nice bro so it's awesome okay and then so usually uh, we brought this up but like you had readier slider i had a readier slider and readier slider is usually everybody's number one or like at the store we get a lot of calls of people just going like yeah we're calling do you guys have readier sliders we don't we don't sell readier sliders by the way um but um ready it's like they're they're I, I think it's a their availability like you're saying earlier and their low price point that makes them like so popular but mm -hmm. how do you think we could like i don't know if you even have an answer but how could we get other species to be as popular um without lowering their price point if that question makes sense yeah their price is pretty low i mean for the readier sliders um the problem is like uh, it's multifaceted of an issue but the thing is like the the spotted turtles and the the mud and musk and whatnot they're not all that crazy expensive um like i think it's like 40 bucks for razorback musk wow spotted okay. turtles spotted turtles are a little more expensive like 120 i remember buying one for the first time i was like this is the most i've ever spent on a turtle but oh, i love that little burger um you Prices know, here oh. are a lot higher, by the way. <laughs> oh, I forget. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. No, no, but yeah, but still, still, still like compared to ready or slider, 40 bucks compared to like, I don't know, like whatever is raised five. Yeah, there you go. So still, still love it. Yeah. They've become, as like been mentioned before, like it's, they've become considered like the disposable pet and like yeah, that's why true. they're everybody's go to. But correct. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I try to tell people, even 
I mean, even people who uh, find box turtles in the wild to find a baby box turtle and be like, I'm going to keep it. I'm like, release that. That animal in the wild is doing way more than one mm. in captivity. Um, I have friends that breed box turtles out, out the rear. Like they'll give you one if you promise to release that. Like, and, and not only that, if you find breeders or someone um, that are breeding musk mud turtles, I have a friend who, who breeds absolutely tons of them. He just had a whole clutch of Mississippi map turtles. He texts me. He's like, you want some? You want some? I know like, I don't want any. Thank you. Um, and it's just because if they know that you're going to take care of those animals or you build that relationship with the breeder, um, because you can get things discounted cheap. I do that. I have this one woman, <laughs> she messaged me. She goes, I have a, I said, how big is your aquarium? Because aquariums, I'm like, how big could you possibly go? I have a 300 and a 375. All right. I solar, my terrapins all day Two that I <laughs> like my, one of my most favorite animals. Um, people will work with you. And I had someone else, you know, I'm going to keep them in a 40 gallon tank. Here's two grand. I'm like, Nope, take your money, shove it up your rear. Thanks. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah. People will, as far as lowering the price on a, in a global, like huge scale, it's just difficult. Sliders have just been farmed and so ingrained in like history, especially here in the States. Um, yeah. Everyone remembers you talk to anyone that's older than like 40 and they all remember them being on the corner stores. I mean, like I said, it was only recently that they stopped selling them at the souvenir shops in South Carolina. Um, as far as making other species as available, I don't, yeah. know. I don't know. It's just the sliders are too easy. They can too easy. take such a beating and they can be bred that you can breed so many of them. Some of those smaller species, they can't pump out as many eggs. And so, Therefore, it's a little more difficult to, to breed them. Um, and they're, I don't even want to say more specialized, but, you know, they require like a little bit higher quality. A little more attention to detail. <laughs> like a little, like marginally. Yeah. But, um, you know, as far as lowering the prices on them, I think they're pretty good where they're at. Um, Terrapins used to be 40 bucks for a Northern all day, every day. And it's because one dude was just poaching the nuts out of them. But I thought that that was too cheap. And you kept finding ones that were being mistreated all over the place they're still popping up now a little bit but most I of them agree. have been rehomed and whatnot um but it's finding that balance Redder spiders are beautiful like they are a beautiful species that just because they're not rare or whatever or a dime a dozen or being literally given away i just saw some the other day as babies someone's like just pay for shipping please take them oh um, here too yeah yeah just take them yeah. it, like it doesn't inherently make them less valuable to the person like i don't think that they should be viewed as disposable because i had my radio slider i loved her she was personal she was cool like they're just they're really cool freaking animals um and the price means nothing and i'm just finding that out because i have some terrapins that are like way crazy expensive and one of mine that i got for 120 bucks four years ago or no six years ago um, she got sick and I'm bringing her to the vet and I'm like, save her, save her. I just was, and that's actually why I'm downsizing because I said, what's well, besides the adults not adapting well outside, it's like, well, what's the point if, um, you're not going to take care of the ones that you like, I mean, I love them all, but like the, just, the OGs, <laughs> this means nothing. Like the price means nothing. If you love that animal, then, um, I agree get it and treat it right and i think sliders are just they're underrated um lowering prices on others i think we're doing a good job just by producing more getting more people to care um i had one guy who 
um, was selling some Eastern painted turtles that I wanted to get like eight years ago when I had a pond that I'd built and um, they were 20 bucks each. That's like nothing. And I was like $60. That's a lot for 10 year old Dan. And he just hands them to me after he saw it because we'd been emailing. He never saw me in person. He's like, kid, you're like 12. He's like, normally I'd charge anyone for these. He's like, just take them and keep doing turtle stuff. And keeps the hobby, the hobby growing. Yeah. yeah. So the more that people do that and establish those relationships, that's why I say talk to breeders and whatnot. You know, I have my one friend. Uh, I'm not going to say who because then everyone's going to go to him and be like, I have a good setup. If you genuinely have like that good setup, you're going to take care of them. You're nice and not just begging for things. Or, um, I, you know, people will just give me stuff like, or be like, eh, just take or cover shipping or, Oh, you know, this is a $40 animal, 10 bucks, like whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's about those relationships in my opinion. That's key. Um, yeah. Talk to your breeders, do your research, find the right breeders. And no, but I, I absolutely agree. And I don't think I agree with, I don't think they should be lowering prices. And I think actually if like, like, not not to, to like not to be that person, but if hiring prices gets the people that are just gonna neglect the animals out of the game, then by all means higher prices, you know, like you know, and I used to I used to fight that point a lot and uh I can't anymore because it's true. It's yeah. just it, it, it's ridiculous, but it makes it more accessible. And then like I've seen all those deformed, poorly treated terrapins because they were forty bucks at shows in the northeast in Pennsylvania. I mean, I've been was going to reptile shows and they're the, at the end of the show, the dude said, I'll give you, you know, I'll make them twenty dollars each. You know, they have the price. It's insane for a, a a terrapin that, you know, they require pretty good water quality if you get behind or or um Way more specialized care, in my opinion, than a slider. Um, maybe not way more, but just you know, keep on top of that water quality, and they're okay. But a lot of people don't, and a slider will be able to take that and still not thrive, but do okay. Yeah. Terrapin can't, so that price is just blocking those people that just don't care. Yeah, no, exactly. I 100% agree. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay, so, yeah. um should we dive into like diets? Cause that's something I always like to talk about, like nutrition yeah. diets, all that kind of stuff. Nice. Um, so one thing that I hear like is very frequently deb debated is uh, feeding turtles like minnows or guppies or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Are you team yes or team no? And uh, what, like, what's your opinion on it? Give them them fish. Yeah. Feed <laughs> them suckers. Uh, not goldfish. They have some thiaminase something. I don't know. People say it's bad. So I'm like, eh, I'll just avoid them. Yeah. They say rosy red minnows are bad. Okay. I'll just avoid them. Set yourself up a tank or a tub or something stupid. Pop in a heater at 84 degrees. Put in four guppies and a bunch of java moss and an air stone. Wait three months. You have unlimited food. I agree. <laughs> uh, in my 20 gallon tank. I Did I make a video on it? I made a TikTok about it. Um, I put, because I never believed this about uh, six years ago, I had a 300 gallon stock tank. I lived in Pennsylvania. I would move into my basement in the winter and then outside in the spring. Wow. And in the spring, I moved it outside and I put in, you can count in my video because I posted a video about it, 12 guppies. And by the end of that season, I had like four, five, 600, something like that. And the same thing happened this year. I was like, I'm going to do that again. That was fun. Like you can breed the knots out of them and feed them those live bears that you know they're raised by you so they don't have any parasites or icky nasties. You know what they're feeding, yeah. You can sell them if you want to because some people like to buy tropical fish and stuff that's me i love them um and you can use them as feeders and when you toss in food for your turtle if they don't eat those fish 
now you got some new pets. Like I love that. And the turtles like to chase them sometimes. It's good enrichment, like you said. Um, and I keep I kept guppies in with my spotted turtle. And every time if I didn't keep up with feeding, he would just knock a bunch out. But if I kept them well fed, let the population rebound a little bit. Um, so I say do it, feed them. Or I used to this is messed up. I used to cut the back of the tails off a little bit of the fish and let my turtle um let the turtles like chase them and hunt them and take them. them. Especially hatchlings. Hatchlings eat more protein um than adults. And so particularly with the terrapins, I would put in these feeder guppies that I would get from like the pet store down in Florida when I lived down there and I was raising uh, one of my first terrapins and she just demolished them and she turned into a model. I mean it just made her tough. I don't know. Yeah. It was gross, like gross. Well, yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah. And you would cut the tails so that they could actually catch them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had one with a oh, man. I remember I had one with like a broken spine guppy and I was like, eat that one. She could never get it. So I <laughs> with the tweezers and I would just kind of, or like stun them and like then toss them in. Um, yeah. You know, the feeder fish that I would get from the store, those feeder guppies, they were sometimes not like in the best shape or I'd like, shake the bag and like then toss them in and they're disoriented and the turtles just bam 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 and then the survivors are new pets hey oh <laughs> or, or um yeah and then if they start getting big then i'm like okay great grab them and then feed them for a rainy day you know yeah or and, and that and to avoid the the not so great ones from the store breed them yourself like you breed said yeah exactly. no, that's awesome. okay and then so but do you rec? But would you ever recommend like a full diet of just that, or do you think supplementation with like pellets or other foods are necessary? So here's a cool one. Um, so I think that pellets are kind of necessary. I think that they're well rounded. Um, I don't yeah. think that you can do just worms or just shrimp or just fish um, because that's not what they would normally eat. We're still trying to find out what baby turtles in the wild eat. Yeah. Um, so for an animal that you can replicate exactly what they would have in the wild, something like an eastern painted turtle, a lot of freshwater species, you can replicate what they would find naturally in the wild. Map turtles, it'll be a little different, uh, difficult because they would eat those gastropods and snails that you can't provide. Um, but my buddy Greg's Turtle Haven, right, he's got this pond with, um, what was it? Some type of musk turtle or mud turtle or something. And he has fish and snails and this and that in there. And... Um, he found a two-year-old, he found an animal that's like, he was like, I didn't put this in here. So it must have hatched naturally, lived in the pond, stayed undetected and eaten and grown for two years. So um, for something that you can replicate exactly what they would eat in the wild, I mean, that's kind of a special case because then you have a giant pond or something like that, then sure. But, you know, it's hard to replicate in like a tank, like those bugs, the mosquitoes that are going to land that they'll be able to nab, the mosquito larvae they'll get in the water the baby fish the snails that are going to crawl in um especially with terrapins you can't do it because we still have no idea what baby terrapins eat still figuring it out we some people say some plant material some people say this that i don't know i really don't i think they eat little bugs and larvae and things like that and maybe a little plant material um but so i supplement you know pellets definitely but i know someone who raised a hatchling um that had lame back legs that was wild and so they said well this is not going to make it in the wild so they taught brought it into the um, pelican harbor seabird station down in florida and they reached out to me and were like hey how can um 
how do we raise this? How do we raise this animal? I was like, I have experience with this exact substance, <laughs> this exact problem. So with babies, fresh babies, you give them frozen foods to like make sure that they're um, eating, to get them eating, get the appetite going. And then you usually convert from those frozen foods, like I said earlier, to pellets. And the reason I do that is because the pellets have more calories and I think more, um, just, it's a little more well-rounded than just brine, you know, just brine shrimp or bloodworms. So they fed this thing only brine shrimp so far and it's looking good, but the growth is slow. The shell's a little wonky. I actually have to talk to him and be like, all right, time to get it on pellets because it's just, because it's eaten nothing but brine shrimp and like, I don't know, brine, frozen brine shrimp, it doesn't have all, I don't know, those pellets do a good job. The pellets do a really good job, especially that zoom in hatchling formula. Just, they love it and it just does a good job. It produces really good animals that I've not had health issues with. Yes, yes. Also, I actually, I, I agree with you on, on like, I, I, I don't keep turtles, obviously, but I like to give variety with everything. But when it's a prepared diet, like, for example, rapashi, uh, with like crested geckos or leopard yes, geckos or anything yes, like that, yes. it's you getting the things that you're not able to provide yourself. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, that 100% makes sense. Yeah, because that would be something like giving cresties like nothing but crickets. Or nothing but crickets, like exactly. Like, yeah, and mealworms, and it's like, yeah, like that's fine, I get, it. but like they're not going to get those trace elements, whatever, if you're just feeding yeah. those things. The minerals and all the vitamins and all that. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Mm -hmm. So okay, so. Um, You've mentioned diamondback terrapins a few times this episode. Okay. Say that maybe maybe that you really like them in your specialty or something like that. They are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So uh, the other thing, another thing I actually noticed you mentioning a few times is subspecies, or I've dealt mm -hmm. with that. So there's different uh, subspecies of diamondback terrapins then? Seven. There's seven. Okay, awesome. And it's, yeah. are they separate, like, obviously different like DNA and all that, but are they separated by lo localities or uh, do they cross over in any areas or? Uh... You, you asking the right questions. Awesome. Silly awesome. Goose. Okay. Awesome. So, so technically there's seven subspecies, but with DNA and genetic testing, they're starting to find out that between the Northerns and the Carolinas, because there's Northerns, Carolinas, and you just keep on scooching down the East coast. Um, they are virtually indistinguishable from one another. I don't know how the heck they discern that there's different subspecies, different subspecies. whatever. Um, from just looks, kind, like impossible. Because you can get a northern that looks just like a Carolina, but it's not. And you can get a Carolina terrapin that looks just like a northern, and it's not. I, I had that happen because I had a roadkill female that uh, my buddy took the eggs and incubated them and hatched them. And I raised the baby. And one of my friends was like, that's a great northern. And he's like a scientist. And I was like, that's a Carolina. He's like, so how would you, how would you like discourage? You don't, you, you don't. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can't with the, with the there is, they say um, something with the iris, with the pupil. So, um, all of the ones that I keep in South Carolina, I'm good with because I know that they're Northerns because unfortunately a lot of them came from people who would just um, take eggs from the wild, um, you know, either directly or from people that was before they knew. Now the dude's in jail. Screw you, Dirty Dave. Um, and so he was the guy that was inflating the market, making them only 40 bucks each. Regardless, okay. um, subspecies. <laughs> We're finding that um, it's likely that with some new testing and whatnot that I want to get on, the Northern and the Carolina will be combined. In Florida, there's five subspecies found in Florida of the seven. In the Northern part near 
I think it's Jack. I think it's more north of Jacksonville. You'll find the Carolinas because you're near Georgia and whatnot. Then on the east coast of Florida, you have the aptly named East Coast Florida Terrapin. <laughs> and let me tell you, and, and there is natural intrigation zones. And also the subspecies can mix. I have mutt babies. So there, I are, have, there are hybrids. Okay. Yeah. I would, you know, my buddy gives me uh, he gives me grief for that all the time because I would have the ones from Tampa subspecies, like the Gulf Coast there of Florida. And then I have my northern. They would never meet. Wait, there we go. They would never meet <laughs> Jersey here, Florida here. They would never meet in the wild. But they, she has such a pretty baby. And I'm not going to like force them to stop because that's when I have my pond. But um, anyways. And so that so that actually that's, that brings up a good point. So you had them together. So even though they're from different areas, they oh, yeah, they, they care in the, the set. All terrapins can mix. Yes. Okay. Cool. It, you know, even if it's you can get the craziest. I don't know people. And then there's arguments of well, does that help conservation? Get them further removed from the wild counterparts? Does it hinder because now we're blood we're muddying up the bloodlines? Um, don't know. I I, I I could debate on that all day. I could go pro and I can go con. I just don't know. I avoid it when I can, but yeah. it's inevitably going to happen. And some people produce some cool stuff. Some of my, my first babies were hybrids. And my buddy said, that's lizard food. And I was like, these are my nuggets. <laughs> I love them forever. Um, but, you know, they're doing genetic testing and whatnot. And um, so it's likely that the Carolinas and the Northerns are going to be combined the East Coast terrapins, I think, might actually be combined with them. There's the ones in the Florida Keys and the ones on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Those might be combined. And the best part is I can look at a terrapin and probably tell you the locale. So there's some ornates. That's the Tampa, Tallahassee, Fort Myers, whatever area. I know a Fort Myers terrapin when I see it. They're darker and they have more speckles. But then you can have a pure white one that's completely patternless. Um, those are more... Uh, they uh, more commonly occur in the north so their phenotypic variety is insane and sometimes there's some similarities but you can also just have just crazy there that's an also very important point their phenotypic variety is insane in my opinion with selective breeding you can get northerns and breed them and selectively breed them and get something that looks like an ornate like okay yeah i think that you can get any it can be difficult and it might take like one stellar weird looking individual to get there but i think it kind of like can be done i was um, just actually just about to ask you if anybody is working with like line breeding them so yes, I guess. Yes. That, that be, yeah yeah but they export mostly um okay. so you can see them overseas the most common are the ornates usually from that more northern area because down where they start to mix with the mangroves the mangroves are beautiful like top tier high standard insane and then they mix with the ornate absolutely beautiful as well super high standards you know five six seven hundred dollar animals minimum and they mix ugly. and then they make the fort myers and people are like i don't like them i like them okay i think they look great i know only one two people breeding that type of locale I think they look freaking great. Okay. So yeah. it's just funny though. Um, yeah. And so there's people who have these Texans, they're called them um, super Texans, even though technically they were probably taken from Louisiana and then they breed them and they have the most crazy color. Co That's another one. The Texans and the Louisiana ones, it's locality. Like they look exactly the same, nearly like you can get super light Mississippis. Mississippis are normally dark or you can get super dark Texans it's like you can't. So they're going to combine those as well. Um, but regardless, there are people who line breed them and they say that they're pure. There's no way to really know. 
Um, one of my friends argues, he's like, there's no way that they're pure um, Texans or pure um, Mississippi. I was like, I believe it because all it takes is one or two stellar individuals that pop out that just happen to have real nice colors or something. And you can, that just opens up a whole new door and they're pure. Um, so, and not only that, but then there's, then there's the fact that in the early 20th century, 1910s, 20s, um, they were farming terrapins. I did okay. a research paper on research paper about this because they were eating them in, in soup. Um, Prohibition, Great Depression, the farm said, screw this. They got most of them from New Jersey or from um, the Mississippis. So they would have Mississippi terrapins farmed in New Jersey, and then they just release them all. So now you have – yeah. So – and then some people say, well, the ones today technically will probably have some of this blood. One of my friends says the mangroves have these big spots, and he stands by it. He's like, there's got to be that they released them in New Jersey, and they mixed, and that's why they all look funky. Don't know. Don't know. Genetic testing, maybe we'll find out. They're starting to do it. It's starting to become more um, readily That's available. But very interesting, actually. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, it's crazy. the subspecies thing is nuts. Yeah, I had, I had no idea that there's even subspecies to begin with. So that, to find out all of that, that's yeah, that's very, very interesting. That's how I feel about um some you know like crested geckos or whatever. This or when that. they have all the new morphs. I was watching uh, Aaliyah, Catalia's video, and Tiki's geckos, and they had a chew, chew, what is it? Chew, 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 that. Yeah. It's with a crested gecko, and he's like, they're, they're uh, a half chew, chihuahua and a half crested gecko bred with a crested gecko, and the babies look pure crested geckos, but they're only three quarters crested gecko. And I was like, well, my terrapins, <laughs> I had a male, and he was half ornate half ornate and half jersey and then he bred with a jersey and then my first babies were three quarters jersey one quarter and i was like oh, so okay i was like it was just fun i was like i start to see i see the resemblance a little bit <laughs> i was like this makes sense to me lizard turtle men understand lizard <laughs> this is great oh yeah I'm, i love that okay oh, it's so much fun yeah, yeah, no, it is, it is a fun. I actually had no idea that um, I did know that they mixed the chewy with the lizard and they got a baby, but I had no idea that they repaired it to a uh, crusty and they got viable babies. So that's super yeah, interesting to hear. Three of them, something like that's that. They're cute. I think they're trying. Cool. To pro her and uh, Dave Kaufman are trying to protest to call the baby Cat Dave's or something like that. I don't know. They're psychotic. I love those two. I would if if they put a petition out, I would sign it, hundred <laughs> percent. There's voting anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, so you you've bred uh, the Diamondback Terrapins. Yeah, cool. Okay, so why don't we wrap up on this topic? Um, breeding them. Mm -hmm. uh, how does that work? And do you? So I, I I like you're keeping them in ponds. So I guess there is an area for them to come out and kind of lay their eggs on. Or like I, I like I always imagined. Yeah, we live in Canada, so most people who keep turtles here are keeping them in aquariums. So it's kind of always the way I picture it, but I guess maybe it works a little different for pods. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, one of my favorite breeders, she lives in the Netherlands, I want to say, oh, cool. and she keeps hers in aquariums, and they breed perfectly. And she cools. Uh, one of the most important things is um, brumation, so a cool down period. Mm. Or actually, I think all subspecies, even the ones in the Florida Keys. Um, it's just the ones from Florida, you only cool down to like 55, 60 yeah. degrees and for shorter periods of time for the Northerns, they could, I mean, they're up in New Jersey, so they can take those Jersey temps. Um, but 
they would prefer a more mild winter, something like 50. At the same time, I've had Tampa ornate, that's the term for, for that um, subspecies, or the ornate, the macrospilota is the scientific name. Um, okay. Those I had in South Carolina breeding, and the water got down to 43, which is like 15 degrees lower than they ever would in the wild. And I have friends who said, when I had my ornates in that water temperature, they died. And I was like, I don't know. So, it fine. Mine did fine. Uh, it, it, it depends. You try to keep it natural. So for a subspecies that's in Florida, you're going to want a more mild cool down for ones up North. You're, you can go down a little further and for a little longer, but I think it is necessary for them to have that cool down period in order to breed, um, that brumation. You just stop feeding. I stopped feeding like three weeks ago. And, um, I'm just going to say this in reference to, as if I'm still like have my pond. Cause right now I'm moving and moving adults and things because they're not settling in well, because that's another thing, getting them accustomed to the environment that they're in. Um, you need happy females to give you eggs. So they need to be comfortable. You have to have good water quality and like enough space that they're not stressed and not too many males. Um, I find they do a little bit better in groups, small groups, two, three males, four or five females something like that. Maybe two males, three females. Good with that. I'm going to do one male and probably two females in a group. Sometimes with only one male though, they don't, cause they're like, I got all the girls I need, but you put another male in there and they start composition. Going. You can see in my videos, sometimes my males in the pond would start opening their mouths when they go to mount the girls and they um, fall in spring as well. So when the weather cools down and when the weather warms back up, those are key um, breeding times. And they did studies on that as well to find that that's when the hormones get kicking in the males. Um, so it's also important potentially for the males to um, that cool down is not just for the females to reset their internal clock, but for the males um, to get going. Um, what else? As far as size of enclosure, um, it's more about quality of the water. So I think that you can get away with a little bit of a smaller space for females. You know, I'd say at least 150 gallons, at least preferably like three. I think like an ideal breeding setup for terrapins would be like a 300 gallon stock tank with like three females and like two males. I think that's perfect. I think that's like pretty darn good. I mean, if you can go, big, you go for it, um, that way you have a little group, you have a little competition and then you make a little basking ramp or something like that. And you have it lead to a nest box at least six inches, but probably more of sand, sand dirt mix. Um, I like to do just sand because uh, it's cleaner and easier and more natural. When it's uh, springtime around, so if we're talking naturally like what I do, but you can do this artificially. You can artificially cool them down, put them in your basement, and then move them back into a spring setup and warm things up. People, a lot of my friends do that where they live, not where they occur naturally, one friend in Arkansas, another up in Pennsylvania, and she's trying to breed the Florida subspecies, you know, keeping them in a garage where she can crank up temperatures to like 55 and cool them down still, but just not as crazy low as it would be in Pennsylvania. Um, it's funny. I'm planning to do that this year with the newts and I'm going to cool them for the first time because I just found out that's also um, what induces it. I'm going to um, put them in the garage. <laughs> so that's, it's very it's interesting. Yeah. It's a buffered winter. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have friends who take spotted turtles and, and species of Asian box turtles and put them in the refrigerator. And because it's because they have a separate refrigerator because it's 45 degrees, perfect, consistent all year, like oh, yeah. all, all year. But like for the entire brumation, they'll pull them out and check on them and whatever. Um, you know, so about two months after they wake up and I 
pump mine with calcium. I just give them cuddle bone and eggshells and just bone in fish um, to eat. Those males are going to get on the girls. They'll keep breeding all year, but spring and um, fall, they're more in, uh, inclined. You can feel, I can tell, I can tell when my girls are, are ready. For first time mothers, sometimes they'll get restless or they'll get uncomfortable or they'll stop eating. Um, that was the first time that mine had her eggs. Then the next year though, she gave me no signs and she just bailed on the pond one day and laid them somewhere in the yard. Um, but what they'll do is, you know, they'll be heavier. You can do something called palpating. So when they stick out their legs, you can put your pinkies and any other time of the year, your pinkies will be able to almost touch inside of them. But then when it's springtime, you can feel like, it feels like marbles. Um, it just feels like smooth little things. And those um, are the eggs? Those are the eggs. You can feel the eggs. And not only that, it's more fun. I can feel the eggs all the way up because they start up here. And then I can feel them up there. And then I can feel them drop and calcify and get bigger. And then usually two weeks after I feel them, or sometimes I pick up a female and feel them all the way at the bottom. And I'm like, how are you not ready to lay these? I did that. Within three days, she started. She'll come up. It depends on the time of day. The problem is that all females are different, but the general gist is that you'll feel the eggs or they'll stop eating or they'll get restless. Um, they'll, you go up their basking spot. If say you have an aquarium, you know, 150 gallons, 300 gallon, whatever, and give them a basking spot with a nice deep bed of sand. They'll stick their nose down. That's, that's how you generally know. But when they start going like that, they're testing the humidity with their nose of the sand. That's how you know that they're ready to roll. Interesting. So you can wet the sand down a little bit after a rainstorm. They'll love that. Or if you just go through, if it's too dry, they won't lay. And that way, a couple inches down, it'll be nice and, and um, humid under there. They'll put their notes down. They'll start to do this, start to do this. It'll take them a day, two days, three days, four days. Some One of mine, she refused for a week and a half. Um, but normally, do that. On the third or fourth day, one of my other girls, she's stubborn, Took her to the beach. She didn't even want to lay at the beach. It's like this is as natural as I can get for you. <laughs> Three, four days after that, she puts her nose in the sand. And I have it on camera and I have tons of videos on it because it's so fun. It's so cool. And she turns around and starts scooting with her back legs and pulling up the sand. She'll drop the eggs and then she'll tuck it all back in and she will pat it down and she will disguise the area and you will never know that there are eggs there. For real. Never, ever, completely cover it up. Completely covered. Completely. I mean, you might see a disturbance. I knew exactly where they were and I was digging. I still had a hard time finding them. <laughs> so I set okay. up two cameras <laughs> yeah. and that's why I palpate when I know that, okay, it's fall, it's springtime. I know April is usually when I get eggs, when I can feel them at least April and May is usually when they start coming. So, and then when do you, when do they like, if you start feeling them in April, May, when do they lay them? April, May. It, when, once you feel them, it oh, depends. It's... If I feel them high up, it might be two weeks. Oh, okay. Um, they're low. Might be two or three days. Like I felt them once. I was like, oh shoot, I almost missed this. Awesome. Three days after she started going. Um, you know, you just walk, keep an eye out. And they'll get more, you know, it's like the urge. I'd say like it's like the like the, like you gotta go. Like, you know, you get the urge comes in waves kind of because it's like you're road tripping and you're like, oh shoot, I gotta go. And then it goes away and you're like, oh, I guess I'm okay. That's what the females are for a day until another hour for the girls, it's like another day, and then it comes back with a vengeance. They're the same way, you know, they're the same way that I am road tripping while eating Burger King. They are with their eggs, okay? Yep. That wave is going to come back with a vengeance and they come up like frantically looking for somewhere to drop. Um, one of my girls gives me a hard time and I have to take her out and take her 
she likes to just search around and goes in like a mulch bed or something like that because she, I don't know why she doesn't like the beach area that I gave her, whatever. Um, the other one, though, doesn't want to be touched. Don't mess with her. She'll find a spot because I messed with her and she hated me. Um, and then she found her spot and laid them. Uh, and it'll depend on the female. You know, you one female might stop eating. Another will show no signs, even if she's a first-time mother. Um, it just, it depends. So know your girl, set everything up properly, and then um, keep that water clean. At least a two to three-year-old female, probably three years old. Two is a little early. Even three is a little early. Four, um, three-year-old male, you're good to go. You're good to go. Just keep it clean. Keep that water heated. Give them a cool-down period. Warm them back up. Two-month cool-down maybe. Um, they'll be rip-roaring, ready to go. And um, they'll, they'll go up on that sandbox, the females. And afterwards, I like to give them shrimp. I like to give them calcium just because they expended a lot. Freaking kind of. Um, dig up the eggs. And I put them in a foam cooler. Cool. At what temperature? Uh, it depends. What sex do you want? You want boys? You want girls? You want mix? Ah, awesome. Okay. Yeah. So it's they are temperature, sex determinant, then, uh -huh. or, or dependent, or whatever uh -huh. it is. Uh huh. I like um, to be surprised. You, so you, you like to – sorry, what, you said, what was it? I like to do a surprise. I like to – I don't know what I'm going to get. So I like to mix. I like to do a mix. So 78, 82, you're going to get boys. Okay. 83, 85, 80 – no, 83 to 85, you're going to get mix. 86, you're going to get girls. So um, you keep it between 83 to 85. So I do about 84. Um, just – no. And then like – Last year it was cool because I had some that were higher and some that were lower. And the ones that were lower were all boys. And the ones that were higher were all girls. Like, I don't know, it's just freaking cool. Yeah. Uh, and then I had some that I was like, these should definitely be boys to turn out girls. Some, these should definitely be girls to turn out boys. I was like, you know what? I don't care. They're happy, healthy babies. I don't care. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't. And that's why I also don't sell them saying like, this is definitely a boy. Like, I, cause I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'd take a styrofoam cooler. I would pull it out if I could get it from all my crap but um like a styrofoam cooler like you take to the beach or whatever i yeah. cut a little hole so that way i could fit a wire through four inches of water put an aquarium heater down there set it to whatever temperature i want the eggs at put a little brick or something in the middle so that way it gets above the water yeah. and then i put a little plastic container with a lid with holes poked in it i do vermiculite one to one water to vermiculite and a little thing put the egg in semi bury it whatever Done. Put it in the foam cooler, 100% humidity, 98%, 99%, 100%. I don't know. Just the foam cooler kicks butt. And it actually is. Um, I know exactly what it's at. It was usually 100% because I would put a little gauge in there. Yeah. Um, well, if you have water with there in the heater in a closed environment there, it's perfect. 100% yeah. humidity. And they hatch out perfect scoots. If it's too high of a temperature, they'll get all misshapen scoots. Um Interesting. Or, yeah, it, it depends. And with some of the southern subspecies, with like the ones in the Keys, apparently it can go all hectic if that humidity is not perfect. I don't know. Still playing with that. They're the only ones, the ones from the Keys, that are like real iffy on humidity. But like all the other subspecies, the ornates, you know, that foam cooler method, I hatched out 20-something this year. My northerns hatched out like 16, 17, 18, like 21, 22 of them. Um Pretty, awesome. pretty foolproof with the terrapins. How long does it take? Uh, that depends. Girls, 55 days. It's like 55 on the friggin' knot. Yeah. I checked my calendar. I was like, oh, shoot, today's 55. Open it up. The eggs will start sweating. They'll get yeah. condensation on the outside. And that's, that's how you know. 24 hours, 
after before after you see that condensation you know and when they're in 100 percent humidity they always get that condensation that's also how you know an egg is going to be good oh also within 24 hours of the egg being dropped like no rotating also within 24 hours you can but i don't like to and within 24 hours 48 hours of incubation it'll turn pure white or band it's called banding that's how you know it's okay. fertile that's even fair. if it doesn't just cook it cook it anyway cook it till it's moldy just in yeah. case i have ones that i'm like that's a dud you cook it and it's like ah oh, baby um and then they hatch out you leave them for four to five days, which no one told me this, but after they hatch, and this is how I try to stress this in my videos, hatching does not equal emerging. When those animals hatch in the nest underground, they don't immediately come up. They still got a yolk sac. They're going to bury themselves. So when my eggs hatch, they hatch, and then they bury in the vermiculite. They stay there for about five days. Okay. They absorb the rest of that yolk sac, and once it's absorbed, um, then I will move them to water. Um you know, or you can keep them in the incubator just on like damp paper towel to let them absorb the rest of it. That actually works better than leaving them in the vermiculite, but I don't like to do it because I just, I like natural. Like, yes, I don't care. Another thing. Yeah, yeah. Even if it takes longer, just whatever. I have ones that had trouble though finishing the, you know, the full healing. So um, I moved them to paper towels, but eventually it closed up. Um, and then I moved them to water, put in, I don't even feed them for the first two or three days just because they already had that yolk sac and I want their appetites up. And then I'll put in bloodworms, frozen bloodworms or frozen brine shrimp. And then they'll, once you get them going, they're home free. Convert to pellets after a month or so, three or four weeks of them eating that frozen food. They usually get so voracious that you stop feeding them for like three days. They're hungry. You put in that Zoomed food, start taking it down. Usually. This is the first year I had one that stuck me out for four months with unfrozen frozen what is wrong <laughs> there's more than two some of the southern subspecies are known for doing that the mangroves like they're pretentious whatever they know that they're worth like thousands of dollars this was one baby was like i want frozen it was a northern i was like what's wrong with you his dad is cool uh his mother was also super his mother's the friendliest animal that i own nope i just got him about a, about a week ago, about a week and a couple of days ago, consistently on pellets. On pellets. Nibble here and there, but never would. I would put the brine shrimp on the food and he would spit out, eat it both and spit out the food. Crazy. But usually they're not like that. Usually there's good little nuggets. <laughs> yeah, little nuggets. I like, I, that is the perfect nickname for little turtles, little nuggets. People ask me that all the time. They're like, why do you call them boogers or nuggets? I'm like, they said, well, boogers, well, booger nuggets. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Okay, so to end it there, if you yes. had any advice for, or if you could give any advice to um, new turtle keepers or people that are wanting to get into keeping turtles, what would it be? Keep it simple, stupid. I like to do the same thing. I got a ball python. I wanted to go balls to the wall, make a whole big enclosure. Keep it simple. You know, um, like I said, at that four inches, you can go crazy. But until then, you baby, baby it. Just put it in a container, whatever the heck, or an aquarium, whatever you want. That fake plastic plants, heated clean water. Heated clean water, you cannot go wrong. You don't even technically need a heater. You don't technically need a filter. If the room is 84 degrees, you're good. If you're changing that water every day, you're good. Like that's what the real big time keepers do. Um, but heated clean water for babies, and you cannot go wrong. That's awesome. It. That's it. Awesome. Yes, love sir. it. Dan, thank you very, very much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a freaking blast and a half. Absolutely. It really, really was. Uh, can you let everyone know where they can find you? 
Um, you can usually find me uh, crying myself to sleep at night. No, uh, I am <laughs> on the, the TikToks um, Dan the Turtle Man on everything. It's on every. I should come up on Instagram, even though it's Dan Dot the Turtle Man, whatever. Um, YouTube Dan the Turtle Man, Titch Toach Dan the Turtle Man. That's me. And uh, yeah, those videos, those pond videos that I, that incubation, all the stuff that I walk, like talked through, if you want more in depth, all the videos are on YouTube. I try to push that all the time because I get a lot of questions directly. I'm like, if only I already made a video about this four times. Oh, wait, I did. (laughs) You get it. You get it. Yeah. Absolutely. 100% awesome. Yeah. And I'll have all of those links, the Instagram, the teach touch, as you called it, um, uh, YouTube and all of that in, in the show notes. So go check them out. Go give them guys, fo- go give them a follow guys. I am Daffy's Reptiles on all social media platforms. Daffy's Roundtable for the podcast. Thank you for listening and we will see you on the next one.